Hey, everybody. Welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. We have a very exciting guest for you today, Joe Carducci, also known as JoJo from Jurors, for those of you who swim around the sea that is social media. Uh, we will bring out Joe in a second, but first, thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com and or post on our social media, and we will read some feedback next time. And if you like the podcast, please follow or subscribe, and you'll be notified every time we post a new episode. So let me tell you a little bit about Joe Carducci, also known as JoJo from Jurors. She's a mom living in the Jersey suburbs who, in the wake of the 2016 election, was looking for an outlet to share her frustrations and fears about Donald Trump. So she joined Twitter, and she hasn't looked back since. What once was a sounding board to vent with like-minded people has turned into a full-time commitment to standing up for democracy and against tyranny in her signature snark and sass. You can find her on all the socials at patreon.com slash jojo from jurors, on her Are You Effin' Kidding podcast, and over on Substack with her newsletter of the same name. Joe, welcome into the back room. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. This is awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. I want to start at the beginning. We know you as Jojo from Jurors, which means you live in New Jersey, but I want to go back further in time. Were you always in Jersey? Did you grow up in Jersey? Where did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, no, I'm born and raised in New Jersey, um, born in Morristown, New Jersey, 1974. Um, I've lived here most of my life. I moved around a couple of times. I lived in Ireland briefly. I lived in Michigan briefly, right on, if you're in Michigan, you know, it's right there, Saginaw. Um, I lived in Boston when I went to school. Um, and I lived in New York City for a long time. But yeah, no, I'm a Jersey girl. I'm through and through Jersey girl. Your parents, your family, did you grow up in a political environment? And if so, were they liberal? Were they Republican? No, actually, I would say that, and I've said this in the past, my dad is really responsible for my interest in politics from a very young age. He he's He was a Lebanese-born immigrant, came to this country like looking for the American dream, the shining city on a hill, kind of Reagan Republican. And I didn't know yet what my political affiliation was. I was young. I was probably 10 or 11 when I started even becoming aware of it. And I was the only kid out of five who would listen to the Iron Contra hearings with my dad in the car. Fun. Because I was trying to find my my like my path, my spot, because I the brother was automatically number one. And then you have the sporty sister and the smart sister and the emotional sister. And I was like, I don't have a lane, but no one else seems interested in this really boring stuff. So I'll be that kid. And then I was like, Oh, so, this so you had like little Ollie North trading cards and stuff? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. I was like yeah, I was trading Ronald Reagan and Oliver North cards with no one. Literally, my friends were playing Star Wars toys, and I was listening to the Iron Contra hearings. But yeah, so my dad was a Republican, mm. and we started having conversations where I started to realize I didn't agree with him on just about any of the things that he was saying. And I was like, wait, but this isn't how I feel. And I was just responding to how with how I felt to these political questions of right, wrong, good, bad, you know, tolerance, intolerance, bigotry, et cetera. And, um, and that evolved into me really kind of rounding out the idea that I was a pretty bleeding heart liberal. And my dad and I would just go at it for hours. But it was very, back then you could do that. <laughs> you could have 
debates about politics and yeah. you didn't break up the family. Yeah, now you just it. cut off your relatives. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, exactly. A... So yeah, I went to school in Boston. I majored in communications, politics, and law at Emerson. And my dad would drive me up and back and not every day, you know, times like for holidays and stuff. And we'd spend the entire car ride just debating politics the mm. whole time. It was awesome. I used to do that with my ex-father-in-law back in the 80s, and he would end up slamming his fist on the table and calling me a commie. But <laughs> no. so I want to I wanna just, for my listeners, I want to explain who you are a little bit, because not everybody is on Twitter and Instagram and social media, but I've been following your path for a few years now, and you're a reinvention story. You are a single mom in Jersey. And like a lot of people during the Trump years, something just hit you, something clicked and you, you got very engaged and you decided to speak out. And like a lot of us, you do that on social media, which is a great platform for that. And over the years, you started to garner a lot of listeners and supporters and followers and You've gotten the attention of the White House, and you, you're incredibly informed. Uh, having been to Emerson, you'll appreciate when I say you're wicked smart. Um, you're, <laughs> Back the cat. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a razor-sharp wit. Uh, I'm a comedy snob, so I I appreciate when I see... But then I, appreciate, I really appreciate that then. Yeah, yeah. And, and your sarcasm is just brutal. And you really do know your way around the English language. And all of those things together are not common. It's not often people know how to put all that together to make it sound coherent and compelling. And I think that's mm. why you're nearing a million followers on Twitter, which is no small feat. So my hat's off to you for that. And Thank those of you. you who don't know who Joe is or aren't on Twitter or are on Twitter but don't follow Joe, you, you should. Um, that was very nice of you. Thank you. So <laughs> uh, you can uh, your check is in the mail. <laughs> so you went to Emerson Communications. And when did like the political thing start to kick in? When did you become aware that this is shit that really interests you? Well, I mean, I Emerson, I Emerson is like a creative school, right? It's like a RT. Yeah, but, yeah, but I didn't. But I went there because I was very specifically goal oriented. I wanted to do one job and one job only, and that was to be press secretary for the president. I was convinced that's the job I was going to have, and I was on that. I was. I really do think I was on that trajectory. But um, I ended up not not following through with my education. I chose love, as we so oh, often do. Oh Jesus! Why'd you do that? Oh, God, if I could counsel people now, I'd be like, no, don't do that. Love. Oh, your but heart. This, this no. love thing that people keep talking about and striving for. So don't overrated. they see the statistics? Don't they know the statistics? It's like, it, it, I, it, and it doesn't even look like the heart doesn't even look like the perfect little thing you see. It's ugly. It's all like veiny and ventrically in any way. Mm -hmm. Not this romantic notion. But yeah, so I... Ended up derailing my life, but I don't think of it as derailing because it really was just my path. Um, I think of it that way now. To get in where I am today, which is a strange and meandering and very rocky and weird upside down, like acid trip of a path. But I had always thought that that was going to be my place in life. And it, it and then by the time I'm looking around in 2015 and I'm a suburban mom with two little kids and I'm not even talking about politics, let alone thinking about politics. And I'm like, whoa. Where did that person go? Um, 
Donald Trump was coming down the escalator and he said, what, and you know, you grow up, you grew up in New York, New Jersey, you know who Donald Trump is. We've got a lifetime of knowing who Donald mm -hmm. Trump is. He's a, he's, a, he's yeah, he had the TV show, but he's a con man. He's a snake oil salesman, all the things, you know that. So I'm like, oh my God, watching him come down the escalator. And then he says what he says about Mexicans. And I'm like, what did he just say? That all Mexicans are rapists? Did he say that? And then I'm like, well, clearly Republicans are going to disavow him immediately. Like, this is, this, is, this is a joke. And then when it wasn't, I was like, well, what's going on here? And that voice started coming back online because I was like, Wade, this is bad. Why can't we all agree that this is bad? And then by the Access Hollywood tape, I was fully, like, charging back to life that, that voice that, like, hold the F on. I don't know if I can swear on here. Like, uh, we you can. I have you to can say whatever you want. Okay. Okay. Thank God. I have to fucking do something. I can't sit by. I'm not going to be a bystander. Like, what is happening? Does the whole world lost their effing minds? Like, what the fuck? He just said he grabs women by the pussy and they're still okay with this. And uh, yeah, so he sort of saved my life in the weirdest way because I was drowning in like my own sort of suburban just existence. And being mm. a mom is crucial to my being, but it was all. I was, and I was really depressed and like, and, and did you fun. have like your social circle, other moms, were they like just clueless or were they Republicans? Like, did you have anywhere socially to vent these frustrations and feelings or did you really feel isolated? I was completely isolated for a little while. I actually had my Republican sister who thought he, you know, she's an establishment Republican. And she thought he was as abhorrent as he is, and rightly so. And we agreed on that. It was great. really bonded us, actually. Like, what's going on? This is not a real Republican. We all know it's Donald Trump. And we bonded there until, of course, the election and everything has changed since. But no, I couldn't go to Facebook, which is one of the reasons I ended up on Twitter. I had no one in my community. You couldn't even talk about it. In my town, mm. in front of one of the elementary schools was a giant cage, eight-foot-tall cage, with a mannequin in an orange jumpsuit, in a blonde wig that said Hillary for prison. It got snowed on. It was here for a year. You didn't talk about, you didn't talk about being a Democrat. You talked, you, you just didn't. Everyone here is Republican. And now they're MAGA Republican. So I was completely alone. And it was really sad and scary, but also forced me to find my, my people. And that's where I found them on Twitter. Mm. And are any of those people local? Like, or are you still isolated in that way? Well, luckily what happened probably in a lot of towns, not just mine, that are very red, was it almost felt like we had this secret club, like the resistance. Mm. You know, there were these groups right. that would like, mm -hmm. one person knew like, hey, hey, Joanne's like, you know, she's one of us. And then be like, okay, I'm going to send you an email. We were meeting in the basement of like the college library with like the doors closed and the drapes. Wait, you weren't eating and... babies down there, were you? Well, uh, Andy. So they were that, right. Cute the... people not... were right. The first rule of baby eating club is that you don't talk about baby eating club. Now, unfortunately, go. I'm just going to have to add you to the list oh, of shit. people I'm in trouble. have to come and find. All right. Mm. What's your address again? Mm, no, no it's all yeah. right. No, we. Yeah, no, but that's the pizza place where we do the baby eating. We don't do that at this. We didn't do that at the secret resistance meetings. But yeah, so there was like eight or 10 of us who were like, okay, what are we going to do? Like we'd been crying for what felt like weeks, you know, and that was the first sort of inkling that like, 
oh, okay, all right, I'm not alone. Because there were parties. My kids' conferences were the day after the election. There were parties on the lawn of my kids' school, like celebrating Trump's win. And I was, I'd been, my face was so swollen with tears. I'd been up all night. I still surreal. I didn't know, I didn't trust anyone I was looking at. I was like, his teachers, I was like, you're one of them. You're one of them. You're one of them. Mm-hmm. Everyone was one of them. And then there'd be these secret looks from people. They were like, and I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, so it was really, really isolating. But I did have that one lifeline Then our little indivisible resistance group. That that was the first, um, like, sort of outlet that I had. And now that you're so public, how is it locally? It's the weirdest thing because, first of all, it's like you just don't talk about it. It's like, you know, you have like those relatives, like I have relatives that voted for Trump and when I go visit them at Thanksgiving, (laughs) it's like the elephant in the room that you literally figuratively just don't talk about. Um, That's sort of my reality here too and has been my reality. I mean, in the beginning, I didn't think anybody knew because it wasn't like a big deal. It wasn't a thing. I wasn't a, it wasn't, I'm, I also don't think of myself as a thing, but um, but the thing is that's so wild to me is that my life here, my like everyday mom life, never changed. It will never change. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. So the people who now know that I have this existence online, they're like, well, she's still at every baseball game. She's still driving all the kids to school in the morning. She's still at her daughter's cheer and she's still going to the concert she's still in the pickup line she's still at the grocery store like nothing changed mm. i'm still the same person as a mom in suburban new jersey as i ever was and that will always be the case because that comes first among all the list of things i do that's number one so i think maybe that's a big reason why it hasn't been so weird but i did have one weird thing that happened at a baseball game where the coach of the team he was a little intoxicated and he didn't know and someone had told him and he's a Republican and it didn't go well and it was really embarrassing. But um, usually if there's alcohol involved, oh. people get muscles where they want to challenge me. Um, so I typically avoid any social situations that I know I'm not surrounded by true friends because they won't bring it up. It doesn't even come up. No one will even ask. I can I could post a picture of me with Joe Biden and it won't come up at a party. So you just won't. So that's what's weird. It's the it's just not a part of the life of my reality that my friends here or the people here know. Mm-hmm. And your fine. relationship with your sister that's been a little estranged. Yeah, it, I love my sister dearly. She's an amazing human being, and it's very conflicting for me and really sad for me because I don't understand. I'll never understand how someone with a good heart mm. can support someone who mocked a disabled reporter or brags about mm-hmm. sexual assault or incited an insurrection and I really thought January 6th was going to be a moment where they and I think for a brief second for a lot of people it was there's a little window even even McCarthy you know they were Lindsay, all kind Lindsay of Lindsay Graham I'm done I'm out I'm out yeah. until tomorrow you blink and it's over though yeah. the second he goes to the airport and they boo him he's back on the Trump train it's like right. are you fucking kidding me mm-hmm. really you're this weak this spineless this gutless this craven really this was the biggest off-ramp you could have ever fucking had and you were like mm, i just missed it so my sister did too and i think she would probably say right now if we were to ask her that she's really rooting for nikki haley to get the nomination even with the slavery bullshit but mm-hmm. she still believes that those those like old school republicans are out there to just waiting for someone to find them and then they're going to save the party from from MAGA mm. and she can feel good about voting for them again. And that's the mythology. It's not. Does, they don't exist. 
Well, they're gone. It's, it's really fascinating what you're asking, what you, what you mentioned before, because it's, it speaks to the question of how do people who we, we may know as being good people, kind people, decent people, how do they support so loyally a guy like Trump? It doesn't make sense to me. My theory has always been that underneath it all, there's just racism, period, end of story. I don't like black and brown people. Trump doesn't either. He's going to keep them away from me. It's got to be that because what else is it? It, it? it can't be his respect for the Constitution and the rule of law. His, it can't be his brain. Like, what is it? I, do you not have an idea? It's not his patriots. Right. What no. is it? I come back to the same thing that you do every single time. In fact, I, I, I say that a lot. I'll, I'll say, you know, what is it that he gave you? What is it that he gives you? Because it's not, like you said, he's not smart. He was not, he's actually not this great businessman now. We all know, we always knew, but like, I mean, he's literally been found liable business fraud and he's inflated his own assets only to turn around and then say when the stock market is record high under Biden, that the stock market is bad because it's making rich people richer. And he's just a politician now, folks, but that's a whole nother thing. He's not patriotic. We all know the horrible things that John Kelly has said he said, and I believe John Kelly. Um, he's not a good person. He's not devout. He's not a family man. I mean, those are all wise. I call it, you know, mythical, like Trump, fictional Trump. Um, so what you, when you go in even into policy, like he said he was going to, you know, repeal and replace. And he didn't. He said he was going to build the wall and the Mexico was going to pay for it. Well, the wall didn't get built, really. Some of it was repaired and replaced a little bit. Mexico never paid for it. It doesn't even, they don't even care anymore. Now he's saying he didn't say that. Um, so at the end of the day, he didn't, obviously, there was no infrastructure. He didn't bring back coal. I mean, none of it. When you, when you boil it down and you're like, okay, but none of these things that you could point to to say are the reasons for your loyalty exist. So what is it? Because it has to be something. And what is it that people will be that loyal to what mm -hmm. is it that you have identified in them and it has to be hate mm -hmm. that is it he he's the great black light he pulled like 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 a motel top cover that you're not supposed to touch or sleep on you know they say mm -hmm. like it's covered in bugs and semen and everything else well trump was that like black light on that top bedspread mm -hmm. and what he did was all of that ugliness came to life and they felt like they were seen and it was okay mm -hmm. and they'll, they'll follow him forever no matter what, because of that, that one thing, mm -hmm. stuff that they may not have even known they were carrying inside, but he legitimized it. And that is more powerful than anything. We've seen that playbook throughout the course of history. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. So tell me how you think you developed your voice, because it takes time to find yourself, but a lot of it is just who you are, because you can't fake that. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because it really mirrors my own journey in real life. Um, and in finding my voice again and 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 trusting my voice again and feeling power in my voice again. So the journey of my account and in this you know social media platform really does mirror almost exactly my personal journey in life. And I think that that is reflected in when I first started, I was terrified, terrified to have my own individual tweet. I was like, just there's a blank space, like this canvas, like the teacher says, all right, I want you guys to write whatever's on your mind. And you're like, I don't, uh, so I just couldn't. And I would look at, I don't know, I need to be a reply guy. I didn't know that that was a thing at the time, but I would just reply to Molly Jong Fast or to the Volatile Mermaid or to whoever. And then George Conway came on and I was like, I'll just reply to him all the time. I didn't feel confident yet um, with my own like individual independent thoughts. 
So they had to be response to this. I needed a foil. I needed something to give me like a foundation to feel like, oh yeah, I can respond to this. Before I felt like I could say something I felt just me. And at that time in my life, I was also going through a very volatile time within my marriage. And um, I was really unsure of my future and I was really depressed and I was trying to find my voice again. And the person that had been dormant that I, was that girl in college was coming back in real life too. Mm. So while my life, my personal life was changing and I was again, trusting my voice little by little that matched up on Twitter. And I was like, okay, I can take more steps, more leaps of faith. I can, you know, share my thoughts, my independent thoughts. And then the more I did that, the more people would say, my God, you said what I was thinking and mm. I didn't know how to say it. And I was like, I'm just saying what I'm thinking. I, that's all I'm doing. And I was just like, oh, people seem to feel some resonance here. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to keep being me because I didn't have a me when I was looking around this town in Facebook in like 2016. I was like, I, I don't know where anybody is. And then I, I found those people on Twitter. And then I was like, maybe I could be that thing for other people. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Just by being myself. And it just so happened that the more I did that, the more confident I got, the more my life reflected my confidence, the more independence I got, my, I was able to end or leave a very toxic, volatile marriage. And and then my journey just kind of kept going from there. And the same happened with my social media accounts. And it's just, it's really interesting because they are part and parcel to just my whole journey, my whole life, mm. really. I mean, the last couple of years, it's, it, it's like crazy. It's so interesting because you said something which I think hits the nail on the head. And that is that there are a lot of people, perhaps the majority of people, they have thoughts. They just don't know how to articulate them. Yeah. And, and they do need people to speak for them because mm -hmm. they do need... I, look, I think I'm a pretty good wordsmith, but I've seen some of your tweets and, you know, I've privately, you know, spoken with you in the past and said like, oh my God, I you're like my spirit animal. Like you literally... <laughs> Like I had to almost check that to see like, is that, <laughs> did I write something? Like, because it was as if like you were in my head and I'm mm. good at articulating my own thoughts. So I can imagine for people who aren't good at that, like they do need people who they can look at and go, yes, yes, yes. And then they feel, <laughs> and they feel better. And, and yeah. so you become an influencer or on social media a lot of it is called resistor i remember when someone called me that once i was like the fuck is that and yeah uh, like i'm a student of history so like i was not in the warsaw ghetto okay so like i'm right. not a, i'm not a resistor i'm just tweeting yeah. some bullshit on twitter but right, but you can think about it in the star wars like sort of vein and that's that actually does sort of track there you go so yeah. um we had trump enter the scene in 2015 16 then we had COVID. So like for a few years, America was just really fucked up, right? Everything was mm -hmm. turned upside down. And we saw people, so many amazing people, Sarah Cooper, you know, like yeah. people who just boom, like shot out of a cannon with creativity and this awesomeness, you know, Matt Friend, comics, impersonators who yeah. were embracing what we were all dealing with and giving it back to us in a smart, funny, edgy way to let us know that the world isn't all Trump. It isn't all MAGA. There's a lot of us out there and we're going to speak up. And so you became yeah. that. And one of the things you did was you created this character called Becky Sue, <laughs> <clears throat> which 
I might ask you to answer as Becky Sue. Okay. Which was like this dumb as fuck, bum fuck USA, full of malapropisms and you know misquoted things and just really stupid. But yeah, uh, real it, dumb. It be <laughs> real dumb. And yep. you, you lay on this super thick Southern accent, but really could be anywhere in the country. And so tell us, Becky Sue, how okay. that character was created and why. Well, <laughs> she was definitely inspired by some real talented folks out there who are legitimately Southern, like um, Brent Tarun or Tarhune. I think this Tarhune is how you say that. And Blair Erskine. Erskine. Um, so she saw that they were doing these funny videos and she's like, well, I don't know. I think I could do that too. So she saw one video of them, Good Liars, where they were talking to one of them uh, MAGA people. And the MAGA person was doing them uh, gematria numbers where she said that Obama and COVID-19 <laughs> was code for open your eyes sheep. And I was like, really? And the math was wrong, first of all. But then I was like, she believes this shit. Hold on a minute. That's crazy. So I was like, I'm going to make a video like that. And I'm going to pretend that I'm Southern and I'm not at all Southern. So I did. And I made a couple of them. And people thought she was real because that's where we are now. That you can't make parody that nobody done made real. Um, so she's recently been talking a lot about how she's sending all her money, her assistance money to Trump because he's a billionaire who's poor. And um, some country called Colorado and now some other country that has to do with May. I don't know, Maine, Maine, what a fancy word way of saying May. But they, uh, they're they trying to take our right to vote for a traitor away from us. And, and that, that just ain't right. This is America. This is the land of the home and the free of the brave. So anyways, well, she always tries to keep it uplifted because she always says, I think out there, y'all, she, she really got her start taking um, – I, what was that stuff, the horse dewormer uh, of ivermectin? Mm -hmm. She done take a whole cup of it because she didn't know. So she just drank a lot, and she had real bad explosive diarrhea, and that was her entrance onto the, onto the stage, actually. She <laughs> nearly poisoned herself to death. She only had COVID three times. She was only hospitalized the one. Is Becky Sue vaxxed and boosted? Oh, no, she ain't vaxxed. She don't believe in none of them shots. No, she got Botox once because that's that. Because her boyfriend said she looked fat and old, but she would never put anything else in her body that didn't belong there, except maybe for some Cheetos and some, you know, Pringles. That's it. So, so people love Becky Sue. And what do you think? My theory is that we'd rather like and laugh at people like Becky Sue than to hate them, you know? Yeah. Because it's easy I to think hate that there's them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's really easy to hate them. What, what there isn't is, yeah, the opportunity to be like, oh, man, like, I kind of feel sorry for you. Like, she's 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 not mean-spirited. That's the thing. Like, she's, I'm, it's weird that I've never made her mean-spirited. She doesn't even know that she's hateful, like, she, or that she supports hate. But, like, it gives you a chance to laugh at them. Mm -hmm. And that's so cathartic because we all need, as you said earlier, like, oh, we need to find the laughs in all of this. We have to. Um, so you can laugh at her, but also you kind of feel sorry for her at the same time. And then you know that this Jersey, suburban Jersey mom is like putting on this accent to totally troll MAGA. And, and she's not Southern because I think Southern people are stupid. I want to make sure that that's very clear. Some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life have been Southern. I just can't do a lot of accents. <laughs> and Southern is what I could do. If I tried to do it like Jersey and I was like, oh my God, I sound terrible. I don't even sound real. Like, who am I talking about here? That's not so bad. I couldn't. That's not well, bad. Well, 
And then I was like, I can't do that for like an entire five minutes. It's going to drive me crazy. But I, and then I tried to go after, I call her Bronx Bober. You know, that, that lady arrives and she screams in the car and she's like runs, ran against um, AOC. And she's like, fuck you, I got some for you. And she's not driving, looking at the road she's driving. I tried to kind of parody her and it was painful, physically painful. Mm. So I was like, I can't be that angry. I think so you I need just... to introduce like a Becky Sue party and have all her <laughs> friends, the Bronx lady and okay. the Jersey. That could be. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, that, could that be is really not fun. a bad idea. That could be because you, yeah, those, can... there were all those voices, forget how it feels on the Thanks. throat. They actually sound pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And then I'd need, you know, somebody from Chicago, some dumb you know, old Karen in Chicago. She'd be like, <laughs> or down by there. You got the Midwest. Like, I'm going for Donald Trump. <laughs> Did you always do voices as a kid? Like, was, that, was that something I, that intrigued well, you when you were younger? Like comedy? I've, and I've always, I've always had a, a well, my dad would have called me quite the actress when I was being dramatic about a temper tantrum. So I've always had sort of a penchant for, you know, being like a character, but also I think a lot of it stemmed from when I was an adolescent, if you really want to get into this, I'm not going to lay down on a couch and psychoanalyze myself, but I have given this some thought. I was like a fat kid in middle school and we didn't have middle schools, one big giant K through eight, but and we all, you I should see my bar mitzvah picture. Not oh, pretty. Really? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I should have gone to fat camp instead of sleepaway camp. Oh, well, you, but you've but you've clearly blossomed. Pudgy. Well, a um, lot of kids when they're thirteen, they're just yeah, it's just it's almost awkward. Especially boys. Yeah. Jesus, we're just horribly right? awkward looking. Ugh. So you, know, but I don't know if you remember, but back then we had square dancing in gym. Like I never that had was a that. thing. Square dancing. By the way, if you ever maybe you are southern. Do Maybe you really oh, are No, something. I'm not. I swear to God. But I mean, where I grew up in New Jersey at that point was basically Jersey, West Virginia, because Sussex County. And if you know Jersey, y'all I, know I went to camp in Sussex Jersey. County. Where? Uh, right at the tip. By uh, it was it was in the town was called Glenwood, but it was right near the yeah. High Point uh, Monument. Yeah, I went. Yeah, I went to High Point High School. So that was the, that town. Wow. I don't know. I've never heard of that town. But they would have probably gone to High Point. But yeah, it's beautiful up there. Mm, gorgeous. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. If my car ran off the road in the middle of the night and I tried to knock on a door and they knew who I was, they might wear my skin the next day. Let's be real. <laughs> so I, <laughs> lovely place, glad to have grown up there. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't want to live there again. Um, but I digress. But I was, oh, so I found this lane. I wasn't the cute girl that I was getting asked to be square dance. I was the last one picked for square dance. I was even picked, Mr. Whatever his name was, to be like, you got to take her. So I wasn't pretty. I was sporty, but not the most sporty. So I was like, I can be funny. And I can be self-depreciating. Like, I can make fun of myself. So I used to charge kids 25 cents a cupcake at the lunchroom table to put the cupcakes in my face and have the cream all over my face and I'd walk away with a dollar. And I was like, they think this is funny. I'm that kid. So funny was the way. It was like, oh, I can do that. Just like kind of talking about this. My dad was the way to be, you know, have conversations with my dad. I was like, I'll find a way. And so funny was my way. It wasn't going to mm. be any other lane. So it was certainly not going to be the voice that I was pretty. But it's not easy to do voices. I have a, my team here, Jen and Maddie, know that I, I'm obsessed with doing voices and stuff. Most of them are not really, really good. But like, uh, that's like well, my fantasy job is to be an impressionist. But it's not easy to do voices, and you do them really well. So that's it is a natural gift that you clearly have, uh, because some oh, people well. when they start saying like, "Oh, I'm going to do the Bronx Lady," it, it may end up sounding like somebody from the South because they have no clue, <laughs> they have no ear, yeah. they have they just it just doesn't work. Um, Can you do a Trump? I can't, I can't do Trump. Do Trump. I could do really? people, but I can't. It's the craziest. I, I have a, a, an awesome Rudy Giuliani. Tits. Oh, that's pretty good. Those are my tits. 
but I can't do Trump. I, I don't know what mm. it is. It's the most frustrating thing in the world to me. I've talked about it on this podcast a thousand times. I've had Matt Friend on. I can't do Trump. I don't know what it is. I watch people I do either. it. I, I could do yeah. like Seth Meyers doing Trump. Like, you know, this Trump. But that's not really yeah. Trump. That's Seth Meyers' right. Trump. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you don't have to be... Like Alec Baldwin taught us that you don't have to sound or even look like Trump to do an amazing Trump. He he, he just created his own character. But yeah. Which sometimes I, I think of Trump in those terms. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a, like a cartoon. Yeah. Someone yeah. out of like Dick Tracy. But, right. but his actual voice, I, I just can't do it. Um, you do yeah, uh, other po politicians other than Trump? Well, I try to do a Bernie Sanders, That's but not bad. Uh, it's not that great. Senator, sit down. Sit down, sir. <laughs> Tells Mark Wayne McMahon, because that's a real name, folks. That's about it. I yeah. think I could probably. How about Lindsey Graham? Lindsey Graham. No, I, well. See, when I, mean, I do, I when do, I do Lindsey, I make but... him out to be like a Southern Karen. That's who he is. Yeah. I mean, that is what he is. But yeah. No, I don't really think I do a Lindsay. I try to do a Nikki Haley, and it always ends up sounding just like some nebulous Southern woman. But um, well, that's interesting. No, if I... Nikki, ha see, that's I'm glad you brought her up because yeah, she has no distinct voice. Like if yeah, she you know. actually became president, you'd like walk into a bar and there'd be a hundred impersonators going, "What the fuck are we gonna do now? We have no who can, <laughs> who can do Nikki Haley? Right? Like she has who? What is right. what does Nikki Haley sound like when she's not you know minimizing the significance yeah. of the of the Civil War? But uh, how right. about, um, can you do um, Lauren Boebert? Mm, well, I'd have to take my tits out for that. So going to go with a no. Um, <laughs> different kind uh, sadly, of sadly, we're audio only, folks. So <laughs> Yeah, that would be. Uh, oh, would wait be a second. She's fans. just disrobing right now. <laughs> oh, guys at home, you have no idea what you're missing. JoJo from Jer. She's completely topless right now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Of course she's not. She's not topless, no. all right? I just That would comedian. be the weirdest OnlyFans fetish ever. Like, I don't want to see you get naked. I just want you to tell me about it. Um, yeah. No, I can't do uh, Lauren Boebert. I don't think I'm dumb enough for that. But, um, yeah. I, I, Who's, what's your favorite voice to do? Well, clearly it's Becky Sue. Hmm. But um, I annoy all of my friends with a lot of them because I'll sometimes just go into, some, again, nebulous British where I'm like from Wales one second and like, you know, from London another. And I don't even know where it comes from. So it's just do it. Wow. But I'm um, like, yeah, just, it's really weird. Um, it's uh, I've been doing the voices, I guess, since I was really little, but I guess they just match the ones inside my head. Um but, you know, my favorite, my kids do them too, which I probably groomed them and indoctrinated them into doing accents. But my daughter does a wicked Australian. Mm. And the only Australian I, I can do is I say, rise up lights, and that's razor blades. And that's because I remember say it's that rise again? up lights. Rise up lights. Rise up lights. Okay. <laughs> but, but my daughter's 10, and she does a really good Australian, which is hard to do. How about, um, how about really, Lebanese? What does Lebanese sound like? Well, uh, when I'm mad, when I'm mad at the kids, I don't speak Arabic, but they'll laugh. Wait, just destroyed my microphone. And I just rattle things off, which is, I'm Lebanese. So like, I'm probably like making fun of myself, but I don't speak Arabic. My dad and my grandmother didn't teach us Arabic because they wanted to talk in Arabic. So we wouldn't understand my Irish Catholic mother was so not into it that she called my dad Fayez Fred. So, uh, yeah. So I will go off in this fake 
Arabic that is just, you know, I'm really mad when I'm doing that mm -hmm. accent or that impression or whatever it is, because mm -hmm. that's, that's my go-to. How about uh, Melania? Can you do Melania? Oh, wait, uh, hold on just one minute, please. Who gives the fuck about, wait, I have to do it. Who gives the fuck about the decorations on Christmas, but I have to do it. Um, yeah, that's the best I can do. Is this, is that, the other things, the Donald, um, that's more French, but I'm <laughs> usually better at it, but yeah. See, that's what happens when, when I, I do voice. Like, they just somehow always end up French, no matter French? who I'm doing. <laughs> Even like Bernie Sanders, he just becomes like, you know, <laughs> Macron. Like, it's just, it morphs into French all the time. I sit, sit down, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> like, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm imagining Bernie Income Sanders inequality. Um... <laughs> So, and now, like, you're best friends with Joe Biden. What the fuck is that all about? How'd that happen? Oh, you know, we, we just started hanging out, and he was texting me, and I was like, okay, Joe, whatever. Um, I'll come down and see you. No, um, he, I don't, well, he does know. I think he knows I exist. I've been told he might know I exist. I don't know. Hey, Joe, if you're out there. There's some sweet pictures um, of you, you, you and him together. I molested him. That is the fact. He did not smell my hair, people. So stop that. Um, he, I went viral for all the wrong reasons for describing that hug as, as being like the warmest cup of cocoa on a snowstorm night. And that's fine. I own it. I made fun of myself for it because I was shit-faced drunk when I wrote it. But I just happened to all the right circumstances aligned. I got invited to this event at the White House. I got there right on time. I was like with my friend Joe. And we were like, there were chairs that you couldn't sit in. There were chairs that you couldn't. Wait, there were chairs you, right you have a friend named Joe. That you yeah, and Joe and Joe mm. went to see Joe, and both Joes jo -Jo. met Joe, mm. as it just so happened. Yeah, mm -hmm. and yes, that's even jo -Jo. crazier. I didn't even think of that. Well, yeah, Joe Day at the White House was Joe Day. It there's actually there's a, an executive order like naming that day Joe Day. So I don't know. Well, I'll make sure next September when it rolls around, I'll remind you because I would like uh, a new uh, ring light. Um, but yeah, so we just we got in the seats that were right next to the seats that were reserved for, like, Pete Buttigieg. And I just said that name wrong because I don't know why. But, like, did I say it wrong? Um, and we were right there, right, in these really great seats that were the first open seats. And I, I, I remember I was like, okay, well, we can't get up from these seats. Someone will take them. You had to take turns to go get water or punch or whatever. And I go up to get some water punch. And Sheldon Whitehouse is there getting water punch. And I go, Senator. And then I didn't know what to say. I go, uh, I'm a really big fan of your work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. By the what? way, if he if he ever became president, that would be the most amazing fucking thing because he'd be president White House at the White House. Like, Ooh, just think about that. Think about that. We now go to President White House at the White House. They're gonna have to rename one of them. Uh, <laughs> he can't have that. It would be very confusing. It would be like, so uh, confusing. <laughs> so confusing. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, did you know that this New Year's Eve is one two three one two three? I think someone said no. Yeah. Oh, yes, no. it is. One, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. So my, my mind blew. But yeah. so imagine if White House was in the White House on one, two, three, one, two, three. I think yeah, that probably crazy. That, that would be the sign of the apocalypse. Maybe mm. maybe Mike Johnson will be like, see, I told you, folks, it was coming. The rapture's here. Yep. Um, so you yeah, got the good seats. Got the good seats. So so we sit there to this amazing thing. Fucking James Taylor comes out playing the fucking guitar right in front of me, like two feet in front of me. I'm like, why is it happening? Amazing bawling my eyes out so then joe always does i call him joe by the way yeah he always hangs out I, i've been there enough now where i know where he goes and he hangs out and he loves to fucking talk to people it's like that's really true about him mm -hmm. so i'm like we hey he's folks close. i'm not kidding he's... i'm not kidding i mean that i mean that <laughs> and then he comes to real i'm not kidding i'm not kidding folks i'm not kidding 
Um, so yeah, so he's like doing the line and people are crowding and going up to the fence and it's like, okay, I'm going to shoot my shot here. I'm just going to keep inching up and inching up. And my friend Joe's huge guy, tall guy. He's inching up, inching up. All of a sudden I'm one guy away from Joe Biden. And I'm like, I don't know if I've got to shank this guy to get in there. If this is going to be the last guy, if I'm going to be that chick who's like, no, no. <laughs> right. They and cut the over. line off right by you. That happens to me all right? the time. I was willing to do anything at that point. I mean, I went to the Rangers ticker tape parade when they won the Stanley Cup in 1994, same day as the O.J. Simpson Bronco chase for all those fans out there who don't know that. But anyway, I was second behind a lady who was pregnant the whole day waiting for her to just not be there. And she, the, the last minute she said she was going to pass out. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so sad. Go get help and moved her along. So I kind of was willing to do I'm cutthroat that way. And she was fine. I'm sure be. the baby's fine. Mm -hmm. The baby's Probably fine. Um, but I was like, I'm going to cut this guy if I have to. So I need to get up there. But I didn't have to. Luckily, Joe saw me and he said, hey. And I said, hey. And he said, what's your name? And I said, I'm Joanne from New Jersey. <laughs> I What? Why did I say I'm Joanne from New Jersey? Like I was a caller on a radio show. Right. And he said, oh, hi, Joanne. It's so nice to meet you. And uh, how are you? And I thought, he's really listening to me. I better come up with something good. And I was like, I got nothing. I said, oh, I've wanted to I've wanted to meet you since I was 10 years old because I saw a Time magazine where there was a whole lineup of candidates when I was probably around 10. And I was like, that guy. I don't know why. But I picked Joe Biden out of the lineup. I'm like, he should be president. And he there he was president. And so I told him a little bit of that story really fast. And then he's like, that's great. I love it. And I said, do you think I could have a hug? I don't know what was wrong with me. I'm molesting this guy. And he's like, of course you can. And then I'm thinking. I thought you'd never ask. I mean that. I mean, I mean that. Do I grab Like, do I grab his ass? At what point does this get weird? Um, but he took, he took his time. He actually listens to you when you talk. Mm. And we took the picture and he um, did not smell my hair, as I said. And then, and then we, he said goodbye. And then my friend Joe got the same kind of attention. And he told him a story about his immigrant grandfather. And Joe was listening. Like, Joe Biden was eyes locked. Mm. Tell me about your grandfather. I want to know all about it. And like listening. And, <laughs> and the so, people behind you were like, come on, lady, get back to Jersey. Right. Then they're like, I'm going to shank this bitch <laughs> if she doesn't freaking move along. But I was like, go ahead, try. You try, could have been please. shanked. I beg you, I beg you, please try. Yeah, I got shanked at the White House while trying to make sure no one else got my access to President Biden. I'd probably die happy. So. Were you offended that he didn't smell your hair? Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I, was, I, not, I, just am I not attractive enough in, for Joe? I, I just kept shoving it in his face. I was just shoving it in his face. I was like, just smell it. It's it's really good. Shampoo was in the hotel. I used two bottles of it. It's really good. I did this for you to smell it. And no. And so I had, you know, it was not one of those Davy Jones, um, you know, when Marsha wouldn't wash her face ever again because mm -hmm. he kissed her. I didn't have that moment. I had to wash my hair again because mm -hmm. Joe Biden didn't smell it, unfortunately. And so this was like an, a, an influencer event where they, or what, what event was this that you got lucky enough to go to? I feel like, so I went to, that was not this one, because um, I went to the signings of several, like, bills, because they passed a whole shit ton, as you know, mm -hmm. um, when they had uh, the House and the Senate. Um, so that might have been the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm pretty sure it was. So that's what they were inviting me to for a while. I got to see that, the marriage quality, which, oh, my God, Sam Smith was there. It was mm -hmm. insane. Um, I brought my nephew to that, which was amazing, and a couple other bills. But that was, I think, the Inflation Reduction Act, which was really cool. Uh, maybe it was a different one. Than, like, there's so many bills, it's hard to remember. 
Well, you got to go but to yeah, the White so House. Just... That was just that's awesome, and you got to meet uh, Scranton Joe. Yeah. Um, I got to meet Scranton Joe, and yeah. I really do. And I, the thing is, I'm just gonna side because I talk a lot. Obviously, I really believe that he should have run in 2016, and I understand why he didn't. But I was one of those people who um, really wanted him to run in 2020. I really believed he could win. I believed he could have won in 2016. I thought he was the right person for the job for a myriad of reasons, not least of which is actually his age. Um, so I've always been a Joe Stan, as the kids say, and mm. so meeting him was just. Like, wow. And just know my journey from, you know, being this this lost soul of a suburban woman who just was ready to run her car into a telephone pole just hugging Joe Biden in the span of uh, two years was pretty wild. It is. It's like what I was saying before, reinvention. Like you went from being that Jersey housewife, divorcee, single mom, isolated to hugging Joe Biden. I mean, that's yeah. what a long, short, strange trip it's been, huh? What a long, strange trip it's definitely yeah. been. I just, I have something to say all the time now because I couldn't say it for so long. I felt so, like, isolated and stifled, so I just am never going to stop talking now, unfortunately for all of you. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. So in our last <laughs> few minutes, give me your take on, like, some shit that's happening right now. Like, let's start with Nikki Haley and the whole slavery thing. You, you tweeted, live your life in such a way that what caused the Civil War ain't a gotcha question. And that's really what it's about, right? It's like, that's, that's where we're living today. We're like asking a presidential candidate, what causes civil wars is like a democratic plant gotcha question. Exactly. And, and there's so many things that are sad about it. First of all, Nikki Haley has been telling us who she was in this regard for a very long time. People don't think that that's true. They're like, well, she's just pandering to the base, which is partly true. She was just pandering to those angry, rabid, like, we can't teach accurate history because it makes our kids feel bad about their whiteness, which did you ever feel bad about being white when you were learning the sort of whitewashed version of slavery that we learned about? No. Um, but yeah, she was pandering to them a little bit because you have to. You have to chum those waters if you just want to get some support. Then you get to the general and it's like, fuck, I don't want this lady, but she won't anyway. So she was doing that, but she's also telling us who she was. And it's so fucking sad because they 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 have to keep attacking the truth, because the truth is their enemy. Mm -hmm. And that that degradation of the truth is where everything rests. And if that falls, then you, I mean, that's Orwellian. We all know what happens there. They can control the truth, the past, the present, they, what you understand to be real or not real, then they can do anything. Mm -hmm. And uh... She's also, by the way, the most feckless, I call her the weathercock. She is the most craven, pusillanimous, weathercocky, Oh, she'll say anything. I mean, she she has no core. She has no core. Nope. And she's, nope. you know, it speaks to her character, what she did this week. What do you want me to say about the Civil War? How about it was fucking disgusting? How about that? Okay. I mean, I, you know, right. wouldn't that when be When you easy? don't have a core. Yeah. Right. But when you don't have a core. Right. It, you, you don't, there's not, no, no ground there. You just, you don't, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to pivot back to this place where I really exist because it's not there. So she, she just flounders yeah. and she just well, she looks doesn't know, like the She same. doesn't know where she exists. That's the problem. No. What about Trump? Exactly. What's going to happen to him in the next 10 months? <gasps> oh, Lord. Well, we're going to see more states taking him off the ballot. And why don't, well, we'll see what the Supreme Court does with that. But I mean, I, I don't want to say what I think, but I'm, okay, I'm not going to say what I think about them. Um, he's going to go through some things. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not going to be fun for him. I don't know if, you know, the, the wheels of justice are going to move fast enough that we'll have convictions. I really hope we do. Mm -hmm. Maybe with the January 6th case, I 
no, it won't be the documents case. I, you know, it may be the business fraud case. Georgia moving might be fast, but he's gonna go. He's gonna be convicted, mm-hmm. I believe, bef- likely before the general election. Whether or not he's a nominee at that point is remains mm-hmm. to be seen. But I just don't see any indication that he won't be. Well, the latest polls are really interesting and promising because it does show that convictions will impact voter sentiment. Like Biden wins in the swing states by ten points if there's yeah. a conviction. It's kind of crazy because, yeah. like, do you really need a conviction to not vote for <laughs> Donald Trump? Like, isn't he, isn't he not fucking awful Satan enough for you? You need an it's, actual conviction, right? Wait, um, <laughs> this, is this where we're at now? Is this yeah. the bar? Uh, wait, wait, he he wasn't convicted? All right. I'm, I'm uh, good with that. Right. I, I, I'll still vote for him. Uh, but if he gets convicted and I elect him, he can undo it? Okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah, so, where am I signed? Yeah, it's really strange times. <laughs> The last thing I want to ask yeah. you about is your new podcast, which is called Are You Effing? Is it Are You Effing Kidding Me or Are You Fucking Kidding Me? Or we can say Well, that. it's Are You Effing Kidding Me? Um, I don't know if you can have a podcast that says Are You Fucking Kidding Me? I don't know if you could. I would have. I don't know if you can, but I guess I should change it. But mm. yes, Are You Effing Kidding Me? How's that going? Um, I think it's going great. You have to come on. I have to have you on. Um, it's I don't even know how many I've done now. It's been a, like it's new still by the standards of podcasts. Um. But I had Henry Winkler on last week. I saw that. Which was a, the Fonz. Oh my God, our childhood, like like a hero, hero. And I so anyway, but that I think it's going great. And um, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I talk mostly politics, but mm-hmm. um, Henry didn't. We didn't at all, and I enjoyed that a mm. lot. But we've had I've had everybody from George Conway to I had all the Lincoln uh, Project founders, really Rick Wilson, mm-hmm. um, Reed Galen was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had Miles uh, Taylor on had some really big names i had some comedians on if you don't know trey crowder you should mm-hmm. know him do you know him mm-hmm. okay has he been on yours because no. he's amazing nope oh you i'll hook you guys up because he's inc- the funniest person i've probably ever met in my life um brent Terhune is that said it right this time is another comedian mm-hmm. people should follow and he's been on so it's been great and then i have this sort of like accompanying sub stack of, of essays and often i'll reflect on my guests or something will be topical about the guests mm-hmm. um but that's my the true passion in life is is writing those essays. That's where my real happiness is. Well, you're like, a really great writer. I have a journalism degree, Aww. and I've been like an obsessive writer nerd my whole life. And yeah, it's not easy to write. It's not easy to put thoughts to paper and be able to articulate them in a cohesive, coherent, concise way that keeps people interested. And it's very hard to do that when you're limited in characters, like on a, a social media app like Twitter. Um, and yeah. you do that really well. And so with the podcast, are you finding that with each episode, you're like, oh, wow, that was better than the last one. Like that, like learning things that, well, let's not do that, but let's do more of that. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because I feel like in general in life, like everything that I do puts me in a position to do that thing better the next time. And so by the time I get to another episode of the podcast, I'm like, oh, I'm, I got Henry Winkler on. I'm so comfortable. I don't even understand why I'm this comfortable, <laughs> but I just, I'm talking to my friend, Henry. Blah, blah, mm-hmm. Like, and that's ultimately, just again, my voice on Twitter, my voice in life. The more I just rely on who I am, what I know I bring to the table, what I don't know, what I'm not an expert on, especially, I just, I feel like I, if I convey that, like you convey who you are, then I can't really fuck up that mm-hmm, badly because mm-hmm. that's just who I am. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. That's the thing we should close on because that is the essence of life right there. For the kids out there listening, just be yourselves. Mm. 
Really, just be yourselves. Yeah. You don't have to be, you don't have to try to be somebody you're not. So that I think that's a really important lesson to point out that if you just be who you are, good shit can happen. So Unless you totally suck. But unless you're um, an asshole. Right, unless you totally yeah, suck and you're, you're an asshole. asshole. Yeah. Well, but but look, people, I, that's, look, Trump. There's assholes out there. T- Trump totally sucks. <laughs> He's an yourself, asshole. Trump. He became one of 45 people to ever sit in the White House. Like, oh, you know, you got to no. give him credit. He's an evil genius. You know, he, ha- he has no. something. He has something that resonates with his audience and he knows how to speak to those people. Um, it's true. But Joe, yeah. you are a force of nature. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> it's really been fun hearing your story learning about the, the, the person behind the tweets and the videos. And hopefully yeah. you come back and we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the just the opportunity for the conversation. And thanks for coming to my meth den, because that's what my trolls say. So um, I'll be cooking right over here when we're done. It looks and, like um, a very comfortable <laughs> home, as it, sh- as it oh. should. Yeah. Homes should be comfortable. Very... They shouldn't look like they belong in Arc Digest. Oh, yeah, you know, no, mine belongs my in Jersey Suburban Digest. That's where mine belongs. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know what digest <laughs> my house is belonging in. So. But uh, have a happy new year. You too. Great talking. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of The Back Room was edited and produced by me, Andy Ostroy. It was co-edited and co-produced by Maddie Rosenberg and co-produced by Jen Hamoud. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Hollander and our logo was designed by Cricket Langell. And special thanks to Patricia Wind. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and also follow or subscribe. Until next time, keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards and have a great week.